It's not even a year after the tragedy of September 11th when two snipers attacked the D.C. area. They injure and or kill 27 people between February 16th and October 22nd. How did the police find these horrific killers and why did they do what they did? We'll find out in this episode of Crime Shack, where the only four-letter word we use is kill. Shackinators. Before we get into the DC Sniper case, just a few shoutouts as per usual. Thank you to Red J and Willem for the theme music and the cover art. Thank you to everyone who's listening and telling their friends. I also want to remind you that we now have a merch store that will be linked in all of the episodes from here on out. We got t-shirts, long sleeves, masks, stickers, sweaters, a whole bunch. And I also want to say that my social media is doing amazing and I appreciate guys. I appreciate you guys so much. Both the Facebook and Instagram are linked in the description if you do not already follow, um, and that's in every episode. Now it's time to get into the investigation of the DC sniper attacks case with my dad as a guest. On August 1st, 51-year-old John Gaeta, I'm sorry if I butcher your name, had the inconvenience of someone slashing his tires. He obviously needed to change them before he could go anywhere else. But before he could get back into the safety of his car, he was shot from long range. The killer came out of their hiding spot and stole his wallet before leaving the scene. John was hurt, but luckily still alive. He pretended to be dead when the killer stole his wallet, and once the killer left, John got himself help and survived. So, on September 5th, 55-year-old Paul LaRuffa from Clinton, Maryland, was locking up his Italian pizzeria, only to be shot six times at close range. He unbelievably survived as well. I also found information that his laptop was taken, but I couldn't confirm it because they didn't do anything with it later. Um, Sadly, 41-year-old Millian Waldemarian did not have the same luck as John and Paul. Millian was shot with a 22 caliber pistol while helping the owner of Sammy's Packaging Store um, close for the night. This happened in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. The next... Shooting occurred in a liquor store in Montgomery, Alabama. 52-year-old Claudine and her 24-year-old co-worker Kelly Adams were shot during a robbery at their store. Claudine sadly died, but Kelly survived being shot in the neck. How, how, how do you survive getting shot in the neck? I think it all depends where the, where the bullet goes in and how close it is also, to your arteries. How did Buddy survive getting shot six times at close range? And I read somewhere where, like, they use super light bullets, okay. so they have more damage to your body because okay. they break so easily. Right. Well, I think, uh, depending on, now I'm not any type of, like, weapons expert by any means, but uh, depending on how the bullet entered the body, if it didn't hit mm-hmm. a bone, it wouldn't have ricocheted. So, <laughs> depending on how close he was or depending mm-hmm. on 
the the type of shots that uh, the individual or the killer mm-hmm. was trying to take. Um, I don't know if that would have actually, you know, made as much damage as most mm-hmm. of the other ones would have. Like mm-hmm. we see rappers getting shot all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And they live so. Um, finally, on September 23rd, Hong Bollinger, a 45-year-old woman who was leaving her job as a beauty supply store manager in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, was shot and killed by a Bushmaster rifle. There were six additional shootings, two more deaths, and four more injuries, but I was unable to find any details on these victims. And this marks the end of the serial killer pattern attacks. And we will now be moving on to the spree killings. Okay. And this happens really fast. So on October 2nd, Ann Chapman was doing her job as a cashier at Michael's Craft Store in Montgomery County, Maryland. At 5.30 p.m., she was nearly shot, but instead the only victim injured was the picture frame behind her. Okay. Um, no one was injured, and people brushed it off, thinking it was just an... If I was almost shot, <laughs> I wouldn't just be brushing it off. Like, why is someone firing a gun? Well, you have to remember, it is in the States, right? Mm-hmm. And depending on the neighborhoods that are down there, that there is a possibility that a stray bullet or something goes through a restaurant or a drive-by happens. Uh, and... I still wouldn't just brush it off. Well, Related to, you know, um, I'll give you the example of if people were surfing. Right? Mm-hmm. If you surfed and there was a shark attack, mm-hmm. but you were an avid surfer down wherever and there are multiple sharks there all the time, you'd still get in the water. You'd still surf, even though you know a shark attack just happened. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you're in a place where the norm is more consistent with weapons or, or, or guns are around and you hear people shooting, then maybe that's just the way of life for some people. I can't even imagine. No, neither can I. I'm glad we live in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Um, an hour later, 55-year-old James Martin was shot and killed while he stopped at a shopper's, shopper's food warehouse in Maryland. The next day, October 3rd, was going to be very eventful for the killer. Beginning at 7.41 a.m. in Rockville, Maryland, 39-year-old James Buchanan. Buchanan? Buchanan. <laughs> Um, he was mowing the lawn of Fitz, Fitzgerald Auto Mall when he was shot and killed at long range. Then at 8.12 a.m., Prem Kumar Walakar was um, filling his taxi with gas at a mobile gas station in Maryland. He was also shot and killed. Next was 34-year-old Sarah Ramos. She was running errands at a leisure world shopping center when she was shot in the parking lot at 8:37. this is only like less than 20 minutes from the last kill yeah that's that's pretty quick uh, so now i'd be curious to see what like what the map looked like to see so while uh, while i was researching they're like down the street from each other okay. and because it's in 2002 construction could have been done and it might have been a hill it could have been forest we don't know but it's still 20 minutes for you to get all your sniper stuff set up 
and then take it all apart and then leave and then set it all back up again and then find a new victim and shoot them then pack it all up again just down the street without getting caught with somebody probably reporting from down the street um yeah but i think once we get a little further into this we might be able to understand um what what the setup of the killer or killers was Mm -hmm. and then have a better better understanding of how maybe easy it was for them to travel and not have Mm -hmm. to set things up differently um you know i don't know how in depth you want to go right now with that Mm -hmm. but i I know we can get to that a little later on yeah but uh yeah you know 20 minutes sounds like it's really fast but it's actually a lot of time if if your weapon is is already set up and, and ready to go um, next was 25-year-old Lori Ann Louise Rivera, who was vacuuming her car at a Shell gas station in Maryland again. She was shot and killed at 9.58 a.m. Now, they got very tired from all of this, so they took like a 12-hour break and shot their next victim at 9.20 p.m. Okay. So, no clue what they did all day. <laughs> um, but 70 you. 72-year-old Pascal Charlotte was on a walk in Washington, D.C. when he was shot and killed. Um, Note that after killing four people that morning, again, he took a 12-hour break. Well, so think of this from maybe their perspective for just a second. If you did, how many how many bodies or how many individuals did we just talk about there? Um, there was five One, from two, just the three, third. Four, five. So, by that point there, do you think that maybe that area was probably saturated with police? Like, hmm. even if I was, you know, moving from spot to spot to spot, if if you're getting or whatever law enforcement agency at that time, so it would have been Maryland. Um, their their sheriff's office or their their task force would have been out and probably would have called in reinforcements mm. to start looking for what the heck is going on <laughs> so maybe that time difference was okay i got to get out of here cuz there's way too many police kicking yeah. around so then move on to you know dc where they had to travel there next mm. so if they're going from one place to the next with those with those shootings happening in Maryland, well, in a lot of different states, they don't talk to one another, or the police forces don't mm. talk to one another right away. So, whereas something's happening in one place, the police might be completely uh, in DC, aren't paying any mm. attention to what's happening right mm-hmm. away in Maryland. Um, comparing the five shootings, police knew that they were all done by the same killer, so they did find this out eventually. Later on, but the following day, October 4th, during a press conference, Chief of Police of Montgomery County, Charles Moose, told parents that schools were on code blue, which means that there's no recess, no outdoor activities. The kids would be inside at all times. So essentially what we call a, a lockdown Yeah, now, like so. a lockdown without yeah. sitting in a corner. Okay. Um... Many parents picked up their kids early from school, not allowing them to take the bus or walk home with an active sniper on the loose. (laughs) Um, Law enforcement from neighboring states became a part of the investigation by telephone tips, but the police had little to no evidence. 
and one of the witnesses actually said they saw a white box truck fleeing the scene of one of the murders. Um, at one time or another, all white box trucks were stopped, yep. but nothing was found. Nothing. Later on, someone actually said that they saw a blue Chevrolet Caprice at the crime scene of Pascal, which is very different from a white box truck. Yeah. So, um, that day at 2.30 p.m. in Virginia, Caroline Sewell was loading Halloween decorations into her minivan when she was shot at long range. She survived, though. Okay. So, that's kind of happy. There's like 17 deaths and then 10 injuries. Yeah. So it's a pretty even split. So. But a lot of people were shot. If um, with those numbers, I would I would reach go on a reach here and say that I'd be very curious to see how much actual experience mm -hmm. this killer had with weapons or, yeah. or with, and I know we say sniper, but like. Yeah. If you're if you're missing that many, or you're hitting somebody, mm -hmm. but it's not, and, and your intent is to, to murder somebody, mm -hmm. how how are you being that unsuccessful? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Well, I'm gonna touch on that later okay. because the killer the killer is very specific. Okay. So Good. there may be a reason. Um, three days passed without any more attacks. But they're getting back into their serial killer pattern. Okay. And so on October 7th, a 13-year-old boy, Iran Brown, was not scared of the sniper. And he was being dropped off at Benjamin Tasker Middle School by his aunt. Um, six feet away from the entrance, he was shot. Oh, wow. His aunt was a nurse. And so I assume she knew what to do and drove him to the hospital. He lived. Nice. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lived when he suffered severe damage to six major organs. <laughs> Ouch. So, yeah. Um, at this scene, police found a death tarot card with writing on it. It read, For you, Mr. Police. Code, call me God. Do not release to press. End quote. This was almost immediately leaked to the press. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually how it works. Mm -hmm. So, um, for this card, I'll send a picture on our social media pages, but, um, it's set up where the front was the death tarot card, right. and at the top, it said, call me God, then if you flipped it around, it said, um, what did it say? <laughs> the, uh, do not release the press, call me God, okay. code, all yeah. of that, again. And so it, it was weird. And on October 9th, a 53-year-old Dean Harold Myers was pumping gas into his car at Suncoast Station in Virginia. He was shot and killed at 8.18 p.m. on October 11th. 53-year-old um, Kenneth Bridges was also filling his car with gas in Virginia, but at an Exxon station instead. He was shot and killed at 9.30 a.m. There was a 47-year-old FBI intelligence analyst, Linda Franklin, who was a resident in Virginia. She was shot and killed at a Home Depot parking lot at 9.15 p.m. on October 14th. Um, by this time, gas stations starting putting up 
tarps to conceal their customers because like they've hit all different gas stations so far they never went to the same company of gas station twice they hit a mobile and then an exxon and then um what's the other one a sunco they've never hit the same one twice and they hit like four or five people at gas stations it wouldn't look like it was targeted for one yeah. particular brand. Or one so there's brand. no traumatic event dealing with a specific <clears throat> gas station. So we talk, you talk about this, this tarot card. Yeah. And the tarot card is left where the, the young lad is, is shot, but, but mm-hmm. lives. And then that's, that's the only time we see a tarot card left. Yeah. So what makes, you know, I'll, I'll be curious to see what made the police initially think that this was the same person and maybe not somebody that was mimicking mm-hmm. the, the snipers or the, the, the killer, right? Because how mm-hmm. is this so different on this one? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the first time we've seen it where it was a, a child. Yeah. Like all the others of, are like, like 30 or, over. Yeah. So it, to me, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we'll have to get to where we get and, yeah. and figure that out. And if the ballistics were to match, and, and mm-hmm. that's how we do it. But on first hand, at first glance, I would be like, this this has such Makes a difference. absolutely no yeah. sense. It's interesting. Again, it's also an active sniper, not even a year after September 11th. Right. So collect everything. And then also oh, yeah, they reference it later on, and then they find fingerprints off oh, of it. okay. Good. And so I'm happy they kept it. <laughs> um, news outlets, while uh, gas stations are putting up tarps and everything, news outlets are suggesting you walk in zigzags and hop while you fill your gas. <laughs> that would be awkward, but okay. Sure. I don't know. That, that wouldn't save you. Or take the bus. Yeah, maybe. And even the bus isn't safe later on. Safer so. than a, well, for now, safer than a gas station. True. No gas stations, no grocery stores allowed. Yeah. Because exactly. all of them have been shot in the road or at a gas station or big parking lots. Okay. So on October 17th, someone claiming to be the sniper called the police on a payphone from a gas station. Um, they called to tease the police and connect the liquor store robbery where the two women were shot um, with the recent spree killings. The liquor store robbery shooting was the one we discussed earlier um, that the girl survived being shot in the neck. Yeah. And um, this is also where the police first link is and discover the earlier shootings because that was more of a serial pattern where as these guys are spree killers. Right. So they're connecting it all together to one particular guy or group of people doing right. all of these killers huh, okay. killings <laughs> law enforcement contacted local the local police near the liquor store and found out that they both had ballistics which is shellings from bullets yep. and fingerprints for lee boyd malvo um the fingerprints of lee were also found at the scene on iran brown I assume from the tarot card, because where else are you gonna put your fingerprint? <laughs> yeah, which well, is why if, if he's if he shot from a distance, mm-hmm. then I don't know what he could have. Yeah. What what made them think at a distance what they would have checked for fingerprints, especially yeah. at a school? 
Yeah. That I would imagine as as somebody who has collected evidence mm-hmm. to look back and, and look at where that could have been retrieved from, mm-hmm. I can see that it would have been so messy to even try. So the only reasonable explanation would have been the tarot the card. Tarot card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But the problem with the suspect was that he was a 17-year-old boy. <laughs> well, so then if you think about it, and at first glance, when you look at it, a 17-year-old boy targeting a 13-year-old, mm-hmm. right? Or, sorry, what was he? was 15 or 13? He was 13. 13. Um, maybe there was, you know, some type of beef there or something, right? Mm-hmm. And, but then to link it to the other ones, yeah. then... You it could also be like he's the only kid and everyone else is much yeah. older, so right. he doesn't want to kill... Yeah, exactly. Um, on the 14th, Jeffrey Hopper was shot in a parking lot at a Ponderosa Steakhouse in Ashton, Virginia at 8 p.m. His wife, Stephanie, told some passerbys to call the police, and Jeffrey survived his injuries. And a four-page letter was found nearby in the nearby woods demanding $10 million, and if it wasn't paid, there would be more violence. There was also a statement in the letter that read, quote, your children are not safe anywhere at any time, end quote. Wow. And this letter was reportedly written in garbled English. So, like, made almost no sense. Right. And this also includes, you know we can shoot kids. We shot that 13-year-old. Right. Your kids aren't safe. It's, so It's interesting to see, the, I don't know if progression is the right word, but the jumping back and forth from cereal to spree Mm -hmm. and then now they're jumping into you know leaving things at Mm -hmm. the scene and communicating more with the police it's almost like they're getting more risky well brazen absolutely and then to think like they didn't even take any countermeasures to try to hide their Mm -hmm. fingerprints or to you know make it so that their dna wasn't on the paper mm-hmm. or yeah like weird um on the 31st hi guys it's editing gabs it was not the 31st it was the 21st so keep that in mind in richmond area police officers arrested two men outside of a gas station one of which owned a white box van but we know it's not a white box van now and it, they were actually undocumented immigrants and had no connection to the shootings whatsoever. But these two were arrested at some point. Right. Um, on the 22nd of October, 35-year-old Conrad Johnson was shot on the steps of his bus at 5.56 a.m. just as he was going to start his route. So, which, like, oh, poor... So he was the bus driver. Yeah, like, uh, poor sucker. <laughs> he would go to work in his big bus where he would be safe. Yep. And then shot. Um, Later that day, investigators held a press conference pleading with the shooter to contact them without harming anyone else. Um, Charles Moose, the chief of police in Montgomery, directed the message of the sniper. Or if you would like to read it, that would actually be great. It starts here. All right. In the past several days, you have attempted to communicate with us. We have researched the options you've stated and found that it is not possible electronically to comply in the manner you requested. However, we remain open and ready to talk to you about the options you have mentioned. 
It is important that we do this without anyone else getting hurt. If you would feel more comfortable, a private post office box or another secure method can be provided. You indicated that this is about more than violence. We are waiting to hear from you. The chief of police went on to say, we realize that the person or people involved in this have shown a clear willingness and ability to kill people of all ages, all races, all genders, all professions, different times, different days, and different locations. So that in itself, they kill everyone. I I think, yeah, absolutely. And I I can't fault the chief of police for for putting out a mass warning Mm -hmm. to everybody so that they understand that there is the possibility of danger until these or this individual is caught. Um, and then enters child. Oh, sorry. I put this down. Not that, um, (laughs) measures to protect people were actually crazy at this point. Like police were even put into schools to protect students and teachers. And, um, phone booth, that movie, it was actually delayed. Oh, really? (laughs) So they were filming that at the same time? They were ready to release it during that time and then had to delay it because it could be like so upsetting and nerve wracking. (laughs) And I've actually seen this movie. It's a good movie. Check it out. But I found that very funny that they delayed a movie because of it. Um, Some people believe that it could be another terrorist because of September 11th. And it had just occurred like a year ago. It wasn't that long. People were still like mourning their lost and everything. And um, the fact was anything was possible. And everyone was terrified. It could be anyone, anything. At this point, police connected John Allen Muhammad, a 41-year-old, a longtime friend of Lee Boyd Malvo. So yes, there were two snipers. John Muhammad had a blue Chevy Caprice registered to his name so now we have the kid who has all the fingerprints and then his close friend who is older and we will get to his background because his background is more with the guns right okay um enters charles moose again who held another press conference and he held up a photograph of mr muhammad and gave details of the car i don't think they gave anything about lee because he was a minor and I do know his name was held back before because he was a minor. It's kind of interesting, though, because you'd think that if you knew, even though he was a minor, mm-hmm. the risk that it would create it to the public, mm-hmm. that's an interesting dynamic. The minor things are always so weird. Like, even for the Jasmine Richardson case, she doesn't have to tell anyone she murdered her little brother and was laughing about, ha-ha, he gargled. Like, the minor things to me are always so weird. I understand you were a kid, you were weird. Okay, you shouldn't have done it, but you can be usual human beings. But if you go and terrorize DC area, or you violently murder your family, you should probably get more than four years in prison and six years in mental help. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I just, it's... It's hard to dissect why some things are one way when it, it, 
covers multiple aspects of mm -hmm. the importance of why, you know, the, the youth is protected and has a, the, um, the opportunity to be withheld or the information to be withheld from the media. Mm -hmm. Um, so the next day at 1am, so the next day after Charles gives the whole press conference with the details, yep. police received a call from Whitney Donahue, a passing motorist who heard Mr. Moose's press conference and spotted the Chevy Caprice at the rest stop. He was so scared. You're like, I'm parked beside the murderer, help me. I don't know if there's a body in there. Yeah. But he actually won a prize because he was the person who called them in. Nice. So that's fun. Um, soon after, police descended to the rest stop that they were parked at, and John Allen Muhammad and Lee Boyd Malvo, who were sleeping in the car, were arrested. Um, Lee and John had a stolen Bushmaster 223 caliber weapon and a bipod in a bag in the car. Um, they had even renovated it to be the perfect little place to provide cover for a sniper. Right. Where, like, I posted a, a picture, picture of, of that, yeah, too. Yeah, I saw that. Mm -hmm. and, and to see how they had uh, taken and, and made the back of that vehicle. Mm -hmm. It's so sneaky. It is. You, know, you know the episode of Criminal Minds absolutely. where they move the license yes. plate? Oh, like, that's from DC. Yes. Yep. It is actually very, very similar. To how that went down but I think in the criminal minds when they popped the trunk remember they, he, he kept the trunk up sometimes and then he would close mm. the trunk and then then he made it so that you can push the, the license, license plate, plate down. down yeah but so these guys they essentially had a hole though oh yeah the they the had trunk. a big hole for the place and then a smaller hole where they can see out of right. the aim so you could have the scope yeah, yeah. Um, and a bipod is that easy to set up well, because that thing, would explain so the twenty-minute difference. It is really super easy, and a lot of um, a lot of rifles or semis, uh, you have a bipod attachment, so oh, nice. you can literally clip it onto the end. So huh. that all you have to do is kick the feet out and put it down. So it takes seconds. That's why I was saying, mm. depending on the layout that they and have, there's and, two. And, and that's right. So it, mm -hmm. it makes it pretty easy. Are you into Pokemon but can't find a good YouTube channel? I got something for you. Go to Shadow Squad channel and join Shadow as he plays Pokemon Pearl, Pokemon Shield, and Pokemon Go with many more games. Join him within the next two weeks for his premiere. Again, that is Shadow Squad on YouTube. Link is down below. Again, Shadow Squad on YouTube. Link is down below in the description. Thank you. John Allen Williams was 41 at the time of the attacks. Um, he was born December 31st in 1960 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is one of the locations he killed in. Yep. Um, when his mother, Ava, was diagnosed with breast cancer, the family moved to New Orleans. When she died, 
John was only three years old. Shortly after, John's dad, Ernest, left. Oh, wow. And he was mainly raised by his grandfather and one of his aunts. Okay. Um, John was in the Louisiana Army National Guard from 1978 to 1985 and in the United States Army from 1985 to 1994. Right. So he had the gun experience. Yeah, and apparently, because I'm looking it up right now, mm-hmm. he actually had foreign service in 1990 in the actual gulf war oh yeah um um, that was the next part to cover um (laughs) it's okay um later on in life his ex-wife mildred muhammad who divorced him twice in the past got a restraining order for abuse john also lost custody of his three kids who he later on kidnapped in 1999 and took to argentina because why not That is where he became good friends with Lee Boyd Malvo. John also had connections to Kenya Nicole Cook and the location that Jerry Taylor was shot, the two first victims. So um, Kenya's aunt was a good friend with Mildred, John's ex-wife. Right, and she was one of the ones... Who encouraged the divorce. Yeah, yeah, I remember reading about that. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, because that's the first victim, there's a little bit of personal nudge to it where it just makes it extra emotional. And then the golf course that Jerry was killed at is, like, right next to John's sister's house. Yeah. So, So, like, while he was visiting, he went, hey, yo, I'm going to go to the bathroom, shout some people, and then came back. (laughs) Intense family. Um, Lee Boyd Malvo was just 17-year-old boy when he was killing people. Um, he was born in February 18th, 1985. His parents, Leslie Malvo and Una James, um, were never married. They lived in Kingston, Jamaica until Leslie left Lee when he was only like five years old. Una, his mom, and then Lee then moved to Endeavor, Jamaica to be with Yuna's sister, Mary Lawrence. Okay. They then moved back to Kingston a year later. And when Lee was nine, they moved, once again moved back with his aunt. Oh, so he was all over the place. Everywhere. He moved a couple other places in this time. but And then they, 1999, they moved to Argentina. And that is where Lee and John met. Because why not? <laughs> so at that point there, John probably had his, his kids yeah. with him at the time, same time. So mm-hmm. are they roughly the same age? Um, I couldn't find any information on the kids. On the kids I assume they probably, don't want to be... Yeah, probably not identified, <laughs> but I would think that maybe that's how they became friends or befriended. Maybe. Because maybe... Mm-hmm. He also didn't have a dad. So John became like a father figure to him. But you think that that would have happened maybe if he was coming over to the house or if they mm-hmm. were staying with his yeah. his children right yeah what are the chances that two insecure weirdos meet each other because one kidnapped their kids Apparently and the other good. moved <laughs> <laughs> um lee in 2001 were arrested was arrested with his mom for by border control in bellingham washington after they both entered united states illegally in florida 
Okay. Um, Lee and Yuna were both released on bond. However, Lee decided to live in a homeless shelter with John and isolated himself with his mother because at this time they found his kids right. and got everything situated again. Um, Lee also continued to go to school at Bellingham High School, where many classmates said he didn't talk to anyone. He had no friends. And during the time is during the time of the murders, he's actually one who slashed John Gata's tires. Yeah, I remember actually reading about that, that he he set that whole mm-hmm. scene up. He set up, which like, poor suck, sucker. Yeah, had a tire slashed just to get shot so that he could take his wallet. <laughs> he survived, though. Yeah. That's nice. You could have just took his wallet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, Lee and John were always together and distanced from everyone else. That also allowed them to practice being terrorists in peace. Mm-hmm. So um, originally, when they were caught, Lee confessed that being the trigger man in all of the shootings. Eventually, he would come clean. Um, and this wasn't Clue. And he claimed that he lied to save John for the potential death penalty. Because right. it's much harder to give a minor a death penalty well, than a 41 year old yeah man. i was i was reading something about where did i just see it um we'll have to come back to it but i i actually oh where did it go so a second trial for malvo delayed pending the u.s supreme court ruling on the execution of minors and it had not convened when this volume went to the press so they didn't know yet if they were actually mm-hmm. going to be able to sentence a a death sentence to a minor so yeah um lee testified against john during his trial in 2006 in montgomery county maryland um lee testified that john pushed him into believing that the proceeds of an extortion attempt would be used to make a quote camp in canada where homeless children would be trained as terrorists end quote I love how we're bringing Canada into this. Yeah, absolutely. Lovely. Um, he also said that John admired several terrorists and approved of the September 11th attacks, which occurred in 2001. It was also the year that John changed his name to John Allen Muhammad, Mildred's last name, right. which is kind of creepy, but okay. Yeah. Um, he also, Lee, testified that the shootings had three phases in their plan okay phase one was to kill six white men a day for 30 days okay (laughs) that's like the total of around 180 people yeah i think phase one was a little behind the eight ball (laughs) um this phase did not go as planned because of heavy traffic and lack of escape routes right so and again i Mm -hmm. think like i said when we talked about that spree and why there was that distance in between them is because they had to kill they, six people uh, yeah they came then, pretty close yeah but even 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 had they gotten that six the knowing that one traffic was heavy there was so many not mm-hmm. well, the reason there's no escape routes is because people are being shot and all the police are out mm-hmm. now so and like they even shot some women which i think has contribution of we don't have time, man. We gotta shoot so someone. Was every victim that they shot Caucasian? 
No, they were all different races. Okay. All of them. I just couldn't... It's interesting that that would be phase hmm. one, but then that wasn't even followed out. Yeah. Hmm. I actually couldn't find all the races of everyone, so right. I just, just said they were all different races. Right. Like, there were probably one of everything. Okay. Um, phase two was going to be to undertake Baltimore. This never happened. <laughs> It was going to start by shooting a pregnant woman in the abdomen, then kill a Baltimore City police officer, which I assume would come to the aid of the pregnant woman. After this, they would detonate several explosives at said officer's funeral oh, and yeah. kill several more law enforcement. So did, was there ever any... No, this was never done, okay. ever. They they don't follow their plans. <laughs> They're the kind of person who makes a list to be productive for the day and then, and then say, eh, yeah, maybe tomorrow, guys. Yeah. Um, the third and final phrase would take place shortly after phase two. They would extort millions of dollars from the United States government. Sure, guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, the money would then be used to finance their camp in Canada. John was going to be the parental figure to the homeless boys and train them to be terrorists and send them all around the states to carry out mass shootings. Yeah. So Canada would be affected. So where, where was there any mention of like where in Canada or was it no, just it was just in Canada, statement? just in Canada. I assume in Canada saw that like there's a war or something because they approved of all the terrorist war things. <laughs> um. After Lee's testimony, John was convicted and sentenced to death. Right. He had the choice of either lethal injection or electric electric chair, but he refused to pick. In this case, the law states that the method will be lethal injection in this state. So the execution began at 9 p.m. The process the process of the injection, injection yep. actually started at 9:06. And he was pronounced dead at 9-11, which yep. I found perfect because yeah. he was so into the 9-11 yeah. attacks, which is just kind of the little it's cherry called, on called, top. called poetic justice. <laughs> I hope they like planned it this way. Like, okay, know. guys, make it just not work. I don't know if they would have planned it, but it worked out well. Oh, it worked out so well. Um, he was cremated and then his ashes were given to his son. And so that's his deal. As for Lee, he was sentenced to life in prison with no parole. He is currently 36 years old and in Red Onion State Prison in Virginia. So that that's all. That's the case. That's pretty cool. Um, looking at uh, one of mom's books here mm -hmm. and going through where they have that, it was kind of cool that um, so... Um, when you just covered that, you were talking about how Melville had confessed and uh, the responsibility for three mm -hmm. of the sniper shootings, right? And then, uh, you know, uh, Muhammad had alleged that, you know, he, he was Melville's mentor. Mm -hmm. And when we looked up that picture where they showed the, the mm -hmm. vehicle yeah, um, and how they were using that in the courtroom, mm -hmm. in here it talked about because the Chevy's small trunk, uh, it, because the Chevrolet had a small trunk, it also suggested that Muhammad could not have performed the shootings from inside of it. Mm -hmm. So uh, the U.S. Attorney General John Ashcroft uh, dismissed federal charges against the defendants in Maryland, clearing the way to transfer to Virginia, where the execution of minors was not banned by the law. Mm 
So that's pretty interesting too. Mm. Do you think that's why the success rate of killing people were so 50-50 then? Because whenever Lee shot, he was most likely in the trunk because that's where he could fit. Then Muhammad was outside in the open where he had space and he had experience. He could actually execute it well. Uh, yeah, that would that would speak more volumes to me unless unless Muhammad was shooting to injure. But I don't, if you're looking at to, to create the chaos, right? Yeah. To create that panic. Well, Muhammad also said, like, before he died, that he started this all so he can kill his ex-wife without any suspicions. Right. And get custody which, of his which kids. Which, to me, would say that you're more on the ball when it comes to the kill shots that were delivered mm -hmm. the majority of the time probably came from Muhammad. Mm -hmm. Whereas... And that's probably why Kenya was the first... That's right. And then... As um, uh, cheapers, Malvo, mm -hmm. um, as he was either practicing or getting better or mm -hmm. being mentored by him, mm -hmm. some of those shots could have been the injuries alone instead of mm -hmm. actual kills. Where like the kid had a pretty good shot. He shot the girl in the neck. She shot. Yeah, the I don't only... know if I would call that a good shot or not, but yeah, the only shot missed was Ann Chapman. Right. So they well, had a pretty there's a good... difference there's a difference though of you still have to be a pretty good shot to go from distance to hit body mm -hmm. but to have that specific one round kill shot mm -hmm. that would have taken more time more mm -hmm. practice more yeah you know they actually I mean? found a tree stump and I couldn't find where in the timeline they found it so I just left it out but there was a stump. And it had all sorts. They thought it was like their practicing stump. Yeah, probably. They like dug it out of the ground and brought it to investigate. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, because it would have probably had the same caliber of rounds yeah. lodged in it. So, yeah. Well, I do believe that's all to cover for this case. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh, having me come and talk to you while we covered it. No problem. And for you guys, I hope you all enjoyed this episode and found it interesting. Um, thank you for listening. Tell all your friends, tell your family about Crime Shack, the true crime podcast for younger audiences where the only four-letter word we use is kill. Have a good night, everyone.